podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guests would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And on today's episode, we're going to bring you something a little bit different. Yeah, we did this live stream on Saturday, March 28th. It was very exciting for us. <laughs> Ethan and I haven't done something of this magnitude before. It was four and a half hours of jam-packed conversation with eight different entrepreneurs. Called it the Recession Proof Startup Saturday. We got a lot of people hanging out at home now in quarantine because of COVID-19. And yeah, we're pretty proud that we were able to pull this together and make something positive out of difficult time for a lot of people. And we actually raised some money too. Also, I think a big appeal for us in doing this is to bring some optimism to people out there. Who knows what it'll feel like in a couple of weeks when this is published. But right now, today, uh, it's March 31st. And it feels a little dire out there. People are a little gloomy. And I think one of the most exciting things about this episode is the enthusiasm and positivity that a lot of the guests brought to it in the face of something that's very challenging, both from a a health standpoint and the economy. And the uh, fundraiser, by the way, was for the World Health Organization COVID-19 Response Fund. So yeah, we got a lot of people taking threats and turning them into opportunities in the most positive way possible. And so I think listeners will get a lot out of this. Great. Let's hear about the next episode we're going to do. This episode is with David Denny. He is a good friend of mine. He actually officiated my wedding years ago. So uh, it's a little bit more informal than our typical episodes, but we had a great time and hope you enjoy it. David, welcome to Run With It. We're live here on Facebook. You've already got a couple fans, I see, or at least one fan, Chris Radziech. Yeah, he said, <laughs> my hero here. <laughs> David, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. I believe that's a mutual friend. <laughs> yeah, happy to be here, guys. Thanks so much for having me. First time on the show, long time fan. Known a couple of these guys, too, in, in this Zoom meeting for, uh, for years since college. Other two, uh, Ethan and Sam, pleasure to meet you guys. And uh, yeah, excited to hop nice on, to meet you. you know, chat about some fun ideas and see if we can raise some money for a good cause. Great. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on now and what some of your past projects have been? Yeah, sure thing. So I've been in the solar industry for about 10 years now. I was a partner at a solar construction company in New Orleans for five or six years. Following that, I moved into more like the commercial development side of solar. So putting together larger commercial projects, think like warehouses and big industrial spaces. I was doing that throughout the Southeast U.S., as of last year, I actually moved to Puerto Rico and we set up an office here in Puerto Rico and we're trying to do solar and storage projects down here and help rebuild the grid. So that's really been my main focus during that stretch that I just kind of covered. I also had a virtual reality company as this kind of side project for a few years. Really enjoyed that as well and interested in that technology, but found that I was just more passionate about solar. So I've decided to focus on that full time. You glossed over it a little bit, but that was a successful exit that you had from the VR company. David's a humble guy to those listening out there. So I'll reiterate the context for what we're doing here before we kick things off. So we are focusing on business ideas that a listener can start in this current environment. 
something that helps people out there that they can do from home, potentially. We're going to spend some time brainstorming some ideas. And I know you've got a large list of ideas that that you have. Maybe not all of them are going to be ones that you can start right now, but some of them may. Yeah, let's just kick around some ideas. We'll incorporate each other's feedback and eventually hone in on something that we're really excited about and share some action steps for our listeners. The last hour that we had with Sam and Matt here, we got to the, the, I think, the final idea in like the last 10 minutes of the conversation. It took a lot of turns to get there. So that's part of the appeal is to show the thought process that the successful entrepreneur has for, for coming up with ideas and putting them in action. I'll just add here uh, from the, the idea of today too, is aside from even just this environment, if we want to consider just ideas that, that work better when the economic trends are in the negative for a lot of other businesses, or there's a recession, or just, you know, the word catastrophe-proof businesses, right? Ones that can kind of hold up in a lot of different circumstances or maybe even do well when things are difficult. Just throwing that in there, we don't have to come up with things that uh, relate specifically to the current climate. So I'll kick it to you, David. Do you have any ideas that immediately come to mind? I'll kick it off with one that I think could kind of be a fun idea. Two versions of the same concept here. Basically, everyone's stuck at home. Everyone's you know crushing Tiger King on binge. And uh, probably feeling a little bit lethargic and feels like they should get out and do something a bit more. I want to make it easy for people to binge and snack the whole time, but feel like it's healthy. All right. So two ideas of this. One is protein candy. I think that's a given, right? I think that's just like a has to happen kind of idea. All right. So you already have like chocolate and peanut butter, whatever, protein bars and shakes and all that kind of stuff. Why can't that just be a candy? Why can't I have like a Reese's plus protein? Yeah. Completely. So it's still going to have the candy elements of it, like sugar, but just more protein in it. Yep, exactly. So like Halo Top ice cream, you know, they're like healthy ice cream. Sure. Same thing. I want protein candy. Okay. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. You want to keep kicking around some and then we'll... So that's one. Another one, similar idea. Really, this is just branding, I think is is solid here, but protein pack frozen yogurt. Okay. And just call it (laughs) Broyo. The name is... (laughs) The name sells itself, right? Same kind of thing as Halo Top, but you know, more bro more yogurty. Then the other idea is <laughs> along like the food generation line. This one's not healthy, but I think it would still be awesome. It would be uh, glow-in-the-dark popcorn. All right. <laughs> right? So you can see that. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Put a little green fluorescent protein in there. You get it. And it fulfills your protein. <laughs> you can imagine like if you're watching like a scary movie, you just have like the glow of the popcorn on you the whole time. You can imagine for like branding, if it's a Marvel movie, maybe it's red glow-in-the-dark. I mean, the list goes on and on. (laughs) (laughs) That, you know, surprisingly, we've talked about going down crazy train a few times on our podcast. And it leads to a good place often. I don't know. Like, I like this, like glow in the dark popcorn. Listen, the reason I like it is not because I I might try it a few times, but it's like one of those things that you just like see and you're like, oh, man, they're making way too much money on that. (laughs) (laughs) I met a girl on the subway in New York City. We just got to chatting. And she had uh, founded a company called Grilled Cheeses. It was literally sandwich makers where it would imprint Jesus on the grilled cheese sandwich. And, you know, it was just piggybacking on how people were buying like things on eBay with, you know, religious iconography people claimed were on their potato chips or whatever and making a killing at that business and expanded it into all sorts of other different products. You know, I think there's really an interesting space for just kind of like 
just fun, food related, just stuff to, you know, again, maybe even for the times, just to bring some joy into people's lives and like, like do something fun. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's a, it's a really easy way. A bag of popcorn is not that expensive. And if you can put a smile on someone's face would love it. Uh, for a dollar, two dollars, then kids would love it. Yep. Adults <laughs> love it. <laughs> We're all stuck inside watching Netflix anyway. Is that yeah. going to be our idea? Are we going to like drill down so deeply yeah. that we've already like like got the supply chain figured out by the end of the episode? <laughs> I, think, I, I think we could go for it. We can go for it. I, I want to give David a chance here to throw some other crazy ideas out there. We got 50 more minutes here so we can synthesize some of this together. I, I don't know that we could get that deep into popcorn. <laughs> David, I... I'm all for this popcorn idea. I'm all for uh, healthy snacking. I recently came across a cereal brand, actually, that is, it's uh, cereal for adults. It's like all the best macros put into cereal and they're selling it for like $10 a box and you have to, it's way back ordered already. Like there's definitely a desire for something like this. So I think that we can come back to that. But if you have another couple ideas to kick around in it, it doesn't need to be recession-proof. So if you look back at, the, at that list and you think of something that may have a longer lead time or may require some more planning, it could be appropriate to get going on one of those ideas too. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah, I mean, I've got dozens of these. So <laughs> I'll just keep firing as long as you guys want me to be on the show. So here's a couple that are all kind of within the same realm. So I thought I was thinking about this some today. So I was supposed to be in New Orleans, Louisiana today, officiating a friend's wedding. And as I'm sure weddings across the country, this one got postponed, right? Supposedly it'll happen in May. I really hope it does. Might actually get postponed again. And, and who knows? The fact that all these are getting postponed might be an opportunity to launch some things having to do with that transition stage for people's lives. There's a couple ideas that I'm toying around with. And Ethan, Matt, I'm not sure what your relationship status is. Chris, I'm intimately familiar with <laughs> your relationship status. So here's three things around there. So one, an easy site for the ring purchaser, the engagement ring purchaser to know what the engagement ring wearer is going to want. So, you know, hetero couples that be the man knowing like what the woman will want to wear, right? So this is going to be like often a pretty expensive purchase, often the first time some guys buying jewelry for the first time. How does he know he's going to get it right? How does he know she's going to like it? hetero relationship or you know alternatives to that yeah as you said it's an expensive purchase and it's a very vulnerable moment for the person proposing and to see even any glimpse of hesitation or reluctance sadness associated with what should be one of the happiest moments of your life yeah that's not exactly what you'd want in a situation like that yeah for sure and i think that the you know the pricing for some kind of site like that if you have to pay 20 bucks to make sure you get that right like that's just going to be a very small percentage of the overall purchase, right? Secret Pinterest pages. <laughs> that a lot of this already exists on Pinterest to a degree, <laughs> but I can't speak to that with much authority. So you guys have insight on that fire away. Yeah, I think people are cobbling together their own methods for figuring this out. It's some of it's offline, asking friends, asking siblings. I personally brought Katie's sister to the place where I purchased the ring and got her feedback on it. But Katie also did have a secret Pinterest board. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a uh, tongue-in-cheek thing that you do. Any thoughts you have on that, Ethan? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting idea. Yeah. To it, the, the question is, how are you going to keep it secret or not secret or make sure nobody's offended? Or 
make sure nobody's like budget goes off the roof or something like that, right? But I think if you can somehow, definitely if you can find a magical way to kind of make it fun and, you know, incorporate all the fun aspects and reduce the stressful aspects of it, then I think there's definitely a price that's well worth paying for in that situation, for sure. Yeah, I think the thought would be, you know, you have Facebook ads targeted to people of a certain age in a relationship status of a certain amount of time, things of that nature that they can sign up and input what they like for free. Maybe they can share it to, you know, siblings or people close to them or something of that nature, such that if the person in the relationship wants to make that proposal, they would have the ability to access that for some kind of price. Thinking about that, you could likely make that platform free and charge an affiliate commission on sales from people who sell jewelry. Yeah, you could also advertise on a site like that. And there's the bridal industry and the wedding industry. There's you know a lot of money flowing there. So um, people probably are willing to pay for ads for whatever kind of service, other kind of services you might be interested in. It doesn't need to just be wedding rings, engagement rings. Could it be earrings? It could be necklaces. It could be other events for people, major milestones in people's lives. So yeah, I think this idea has some merit to it. Is there a way we can incorporate this with the popcorn idea? Like there's... <laughs> the, the rings in the popcorn, dude. Come on. Yeah, ring pops. Right. There you go. <laughs> some sort of a magical ring that like pops out popcorn. <laughs> I'm liking this random assortment of ideas that you're bringing here, David. You want to just keep rolling along with them? Sure. So one... It just seems like this should exist. It does to a certain degree. It's not that interesting to talk about, but I'm sure, like Chris, when your wife had to change her last name, it was a huge hassle in terms of the paperwork you have to file and banks, credit cards, passport, all that stuff. There just needs to be a, a, an app that's type in one time and it takes care of everything for you. You can e-sign everything, just mails all the paper documents for you. I've got a comment here from Chris. Did you want to read that, Chris? No, you go for it. Chris Baradziesh which I, I may have gotten that right. I don't know. He said, so assuming this idea gets big, do you think that there will be a point that people will think that you are taking the easy route instead of making the ring purchase personal? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question though. We've also got Falcon Rising making a comment, also a fellow foundation alum. Wedding industry stopped almost overnight and will likely change dramatically when this is over to be much smaller and scaled way back. Any reflections on that? Yeah, good question. No, that, that is interesting. I mean, I think the flip side would be the counterpoint, right? Like, how are you doing it today? If you're just walking into a jewelry store, like, hey, what would somebody like as an engagement ring? You tell me, random person working at a jewelry store, and then I'll buy what you say. Who's never met the person who's going to receive the ring? Wouldn't this be a bit more curated to their taste? I guess it could be a good time to ask for your general thought process on the economy. On, I know you're an optimistic guy, David. So I'd love to hear how you think about business formation in general, what type of ideas someone should go after, an aspiring entrepreneur should go after at this time. Yeah, good point. Like I started off with this, the reason I was thinking about this is because I was supposed to be at a wedding today. They got postponed, and I'm sure that's true across the country. And so it's tough to you know predict with any certainty what that's going to look like. At the same time, I think a lot of those cultural tropes kind of built up around weddings are just going to persist. Whenever we get past this, this stage, there's still going to be weddings this year and next year and every year following that, right? Even if they're slightly scaled down, I still think that this, you know, people spend so much time and, and effort and money on these to begin with that there's still, you know, plenty of innovation possible in that space. And I actually think that this is one of the sectors that are more protected 
This will pass. This is what we're dealing with right now. A lot of people are impacted in many ways, financially and from a health standpoint. But people's, their dream wedding is a once in a lifetime event. And people don't want to sacrifice for, for something that they've been dreaming about their entire life. That's my perspective on it. So maybe they scale back a little bit, but I don't see this as being like a 50% cutback in what they were planning to spend. I'll let you guys know right now, I'm Googling glow-in-the-dark food. <laughs> I don't know why, man. I don't know why. I, I totally don't know that I'll eat it myself. Yeah. I'll eat it like once there's, yeah. There's glow-in-the-dark food is out there too. I'm seeing like lots of interesting posts and yeah, what do you... You really hooked Ethan with that first idea. <laughs> You're just questioning your life. Like, why, why have you not been eating every meal glow in the dark? Man? It's, like, it's, it's dinner time. Turn the lights off. Let's do this. Let's keep it rolling, though, David. You got some, some more ideas on that list? Yeah, for sure. So still along these lines, and, and to the listener's comment, this is another space that's obviously in a, a ton of trouble right now is the travel industry. Once again, I... I do predict that that'll come back and people are still going to take vacations and trips in the future. So when that's going to be, when that's going to normalize, it's tough to say. At some point in the future, are you guys familiar with the, the concept baby moon and the term baby moon? Yep. So Chris can probably explain it as a, as a new dad. Sure. A baby moon is the last vacation that you take before the, the baby arrives. So typically while the woman is pregnant, you're able to take a trip together, just the two of you, and yeah, you'll never have that opportunity again. Yeah, so the idea is just to take that and then build a, a travel site, travel agency around baby moons, right? So curated baby moon itineraries. And once again, this could be like an affiliate kind of thing where it's this perfect lodge in the mountains or spa or beach resort. You have your you know, prenatal yoga. You have all these things that kind of tailored directly to people who are about to have a, a child. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing that I think is worth mentioning too is a first instinct could be when you're talking about, oh, I'm going to start a company that revolves around travel during a time when travel was disallowed. You know, is that a smart idea? Is yeah. that your recession-proof business idea? Now, it may be something scary to get into if you think about when's the next time there's like a place where there's going to be some sort of travel restriction or something like that. But also, there's something to be said for any business that you think could do that's going to come back or do well after a downturn in the economy, you might have to have a little bit of faith, but make investments in starting that business during the recessionary period. You may have the opportunity to save a lot on the costs of starting that business because everything's kind of slowed down. We talked about, you know, in the first hour, buying businesses that are going under and you are taking distressed assets and moving them around, right? So we're now at a time where within the next, you know, year or so, at least, you could end up buying like a bunch of restaurant equipment really cheap and getting ready to start a restaurant when things start to clear up. So doing something around travel, it may be actually a good idea because you can invest where others might be like drawing their purse strings back and also, you know, just trying to keep their business afloat that's already that's already going. Yeah, thinking along those lines, it could be a, a good time to pre-purchase space in a lodge, or I don't know if it's possible to do this with airline tickets, but if you can get in with Delta and say, hey, I'll, I'm focusing on baby moons for people out of New York City. And this is going to be, they're going to be taking trips in October, right? And I'd like to lock in the pricing that you have available right now. You'll get that cash flow 
upfront. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll commit to purchasing this number of, of seats. A lot of work probably may not happen, but something like that where you can take advantage of the reduced pricing that exists right now for a lot of these travel companies. Well, that's kind of fun, actually. I like the sound of that. As long as you know you don't just end up in like a junkyard in in Arkansas or something. <laughs> I think that that idea of uh, a completely done for you trip plan is particularly relevant for those going on a baby moon because you are very stressed at that time and trying to plan. Katie did a lot of the planning for us when we went to when we went to Argentina and Chile. We also had a friend who was down there, which helped a lot. But if we didn't have that, then it, yeah, it would have been it would have been very difficult for us to to plan a trip when she was four months pregnant. <laughs> um, also, someone who specializes in this in a baby moon, they will be more in tune to what the the couple would need at that time. A lot of times with with pregnancy and having a kid in general, you don't know what the next month is going to look like. And, and and that's really an odd position because someone external to you may have a better lens for, oh yeah, you're five months out. You're going to want to do this. And I can build in a, a foot massage in the middle of your trip where normally you'd want to be go, go, go. You probably have enough self-awareness to not plan as much on your own, but, but someone who is specializing in this may be able to do an even better job. We've gone into about a half hour. We've actually, I mean... As far as our experience with the past couple of hours, we've gotten through a lot in an hour without settling on an idea, but still have a little bit of time to work. Like we could continue to toss around some things. We could narrow in on one. I'm just going to be the crazy train going back to the glow in the dark popcorn idea. <laughs> but but uh, I'm just curious, you know, I don't, we might, maybe we have some votes from the people yes. in the chat if they, if there's something they're particularly interested in or. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to hear some comments from folks on which of these ideas they are, are most interested in. But as we're waiting on that, I think that we have some time to continue kicking some around, and and I'd love to see us still wrap all these ideas together. It's a crazy baby mood, with the dark popcorn <laughs> engagement ring package. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. We'll see how well we can tie together. Um, the bro, yo. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the that. bro, yo. Of yeah, there's got to be pro. There's going to be protein involved, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever happens. It's going to be high protein. <laughs> How about just like, just like high protein? Let's just throw the word high protein in front of a, yeah. of a bunch of different business names. And <laughs> so, yeah, keep it going, David. What else you got here for us? Oh, man. Okay. This one, I wouldn't recommend starting this during a recession, but. And boom times, I think this is a great idea. Chris, I mentioned this to you uh, when we spoke recently. Manly petties. Manly petties. Oh, for your feet. Like Manly petties. Like take yep. care of your feet, get a little polish on take those toenails. and Yep. Your nails as well. You don't cut your own hair. You go to a barber shop. Why would you trim your own nails? Make it nice. Let's have like nice leather chairs. Get a little bit of like a foot rub, hand rub, you know, sports on TV. Maybe you have a beer while you're sitting there. Manly petties. This is definitely... so. I'm going to say that sounds like an interesting idea. It's probably something that is going to start becoming popular in the next, I'll say in the next 10 to 20 years for sure, right? There's already like men taking on things that they haven't done traditionally, whether it's like hair products or like lotions or, you know, all sorts of personal care products. It's definitely one of those ideas where in order to make it larger, you're going to, you'd have to sell it. You'd have to really get in and like change the culture a little bit for men 
to want to do it. And I think that there are a small fraction of men that are already going to get pedicures and or manicures. And I think that the secret to making something like this big would not be trying to change the culture, but trying to find out who those people are who are already doing it and just, you know, find out why they do it, find out why they're, you know, cool with it or what's cool about it for them and what's cool about it for them that could be cool about it for other people and just start, you know, not trying to convince the unconvinced, but preach to the choir at first with a business like this. I thinking about this idea, I I think about barbershops and, and someone, Chris Baraziej commented sports clips for nail care. And I feel, so the, the barbershop is, is this esteemed institution in, for men where you go and you can kind of unwind and, and be honest about feelings and talk about different things that you, you wouldn't normally share for men and for women. As someone who hasn't had a lot of hair for years, I don't get that opportunity. <laughs> so there may be other men out there who are looking for a, a place like that. It's not just the service itself, but it's a place where you can get together and, and chat about what's going on in your local community. Yeah, I think that's the idea, right? It's just a relaxed, open space, welcoming to all. You know, same idea with like steam bath or a sauna, that kind of vibe, right? We just relax and just like let it all out. I think there, there's some potential there. I think, Ethan, you make a good point. Like, what do the customers want the aesthetic to be or the vibe to be? You'd start up in, you know, higher end spots, you know, New York, Bay Area, that kind of thing, and then try to franchise it out. Caitlin Marie said she worked at Sports Clips and had no problem getting men to spend $75 to $80 on service and products they liked and needed. I think especially with, again, the whole kind of like, I mean, this was years ago. I mean, this probably had to be starting 20 years ago, the kind of like metrosexual movement where men started to care a little bit more about their appearance um, has taken hold. It's turned into kind of like this hipster, like taking care of your beard kind of thing. There's certainly a foothold here if you wanted to go in this direction. She also added that they loved it because women didn't go there and they enjoyed getting pampered without feeling awkward. So that's an interesting piece of uh, market research oh, yeah. for us. Yeah, for sure. There's also a few other comments here. I, I did see earlier, Chris Baradziej had a question about the glow-in-the-dark popcorn that I think we have to address if we're going down this route, which is the chemicals involved in creating glow-in-the-dark popcorn. I'm a chemical engineer, but I don't know <laughs> what is involved in that. Either of you guys happen to know or any listeners so know, out there who? I know from my work in neuroscience that there's, there's green fluorescent protein and that is used to, you know, and all sorts of... To, to, bulk, to bulk up, right? It's protein. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, it's to turn you into the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's non-toxic, but I do know that it's used in a lot of laboratory settings to as an indicator. So you can label cells using green fluorescent protein um, that have, you know, they've come up with all sorts of, of interesting techniques to label that protein, label, you know, anything. They're probably using it to study coronavirus as we speak. There's red fluorescent protein, there's blue fluorescent protein. And when it's fluorescent, I think that that means, I think that that means this, you need a special light. That I don't know because I haven't worked with it. If you need to shine a special light on it in order to see the fluorescence or if it just fluoresces in the dark or it's something where you have to like, you know, I know there's certain fluorescent things where you shine it in sunlight for a while and then it'll emit during darkness. But clearly there's glow-in-the-dark foods out there and I'm guessing there's probably simple ways to make them non-toxic. Or, yeah, I don't know. It, maybe that's a risk worth taking. <laughs> <laughs> that's a risk worth taking. Ethan really wants that glow-in-the-dark popcorn. 
Okay, so I, I think we have to go with this this idea here, the glow-in-the-dark popcorn. Ethan's just in love with it. You've got at least, you probably sell a ton of glow-in-the-dark popcorn to Ethan alone. So let's if you were actually trying to start a glow-in-the-dark, high-protein popcorn company, what are some of the first steps that you would take to to get that going? It's too bad. we, we So we let go of Sam Davidson because he's kind of in the food industry, right? So he might have had some interesting insights here. But I just take like anything else that's glow in the dark and start rubbing it on popcorn and see what happens at home, like as a little at-home experiment. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. We're getting loopy. I, we, we scheduled ourselves like a four-hour straight event and we didn't really realize the implications, I think. But yeah, I mean, I think there's just a little bit of, like I said, I was just Googling glow in the dark food. There's clearly stuff that's out there that is glow in the dark that people are eating, Kit Kats glow-in-the-dark I see right now. There's, I see some glow-in-the-dark cupcakes that people are making. So clearly there's probably some things that you can buy to make your existing food glow-in-the-dark. Hey, you know, we should also actually just, I did not Google glow-in-the-dark popcorn. This may already exist. And we would have to find a way to niche down in order to focus on uh, the appropriate market. I do, when I Google glow-in-the-dark popcorn there's a there's pinterest comes up here maybe some images around that there's certainly images now are they are they really authentically glow in the dark or is it still playing around with the idea glow in the dark popcorn by classy cakes that sounds like a i don't know theater theater snacks trend hunter i think we're going to not have to talk about figuring out how to make it but how to market it and how to build your niche i think it might already be being made yeah so David, I know that you you haven't had a lot of direct experience in the food industry, but what comes to mind in terms of what you would do, how you would approach this idea? And to those listening, keep in mind that even though this this may seem like a silly idea, a flippant idea, but you can still learn a lot from hearing how a successful entrepreneur thinks through new business opportunities and would approach problems. And maybe it's even easier to learn that when the idea isn't as world-changing as some other ones out there. So yeah, David, what's what's some things that you would do? Yeah, th- this would be a tough one for me to get started on. <laughs> I'll be honest, just because like you said, I, I don't have any experience in the food industry. I don't know anything about the regulations and that are involved. So obviously, first steps is a ton of research, get involved with some food people, figure out what's being made, what has been made in the past, what's been tried, what's FDA approved, what's edible, what doesn't change the taste, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So plenty of time in the kitchen, you know, microwaving different things. And then also just trying to figure out like how you would slot into these different industries. So who actually provides popcorn movie theaters? I couldn't tell you that right now, but I'm sure there's people out there who make a living doing that work, right? Who provides popcorn to whatever the grocery stores? How do you get involved with Orville Redenbacher or whoever's making this stuff? And then basically trying to come up with a bunch of like slick marketing materials that you would try to use to convince those parties to do like a JV with you. So like we talked about for movies, obviously, you'd want different colors for different movies. You'd want different colors for different holidays. You can have like, you know, orange and black stuff for Halloween and you have red and green for Christmas and things like that. Would you do any market testing? Or do you think that is just, uh, I mean, Ethan's, uh, <laughs> Ethan's given you a like ringing endorsement already. So, <laughs> But yeah, I'm picturing not just in terms of what exact like, colors resonate with people, but which groups are most interested in it which why they're 
they would be interested in. Maybe it's, I'm picturing kids, <laughs> kids and Ethan, <laughs> all about this glow in the dark popcorn. Yeah. Does anything come in, come to mind about that side of it, the consumers? Yeah, for sure. I think you would try to start with, obviously, once everything is FDA approved and safe and, you know, there's no issues on that side of things, just giving it away to, you know, your planetariums or like outdoor concerts or that kind of thing where you're just like, it's all free samples here. Just have a little cup of glow-in-the-dark popcorn. How cool is that? To start with that and try to get some branding associated with it and try to get some momentum behind it. Yeah, I'm looking here again, just kind of Googling and, you know, I don't know how how valid this is, but it says, if you're looking for some out, out of the ordinary theater snacks to munch on, then the glow-in-the-dark popcorn is just, is just for you. Scientists at Cambridge have created a safe and edible illuminated popcorn recipe for moviegoers to enjoy worldwide. Not only will you be able to see your salty treat in the dark, but you can also have some fun while doing it. And there's a little bit more text on that. But I see there's a popularity bar on this uh, website, which is called Trend Hunter. So I guess it's maybe showing how many people are checking it out, like what the activity is. So you can see there's some activity around it. I also Googled, like I searched on Amazon, right? So like if it's already out there enough that it's a thing, and this page that I just found is not a spoof, then you can't buy it on Amazon yet. So it's probably early enough in the process. So you might literally try to figure out who are those scientists at Cambridge, you know, and what did they figure out? And is this something that they're, you know, are they eating it themselves? You know, <laughs> do they feel that it's safe to eat? Have they already connected with somebody who's marketing it? So they're, they're probably going to know who's actually putting glow-in-the-dark popcorn out there. And so you can you can start to see what the market looks like and then I love those ideas that David had about, you know, finding these events where you can put it out there as samples. I think kids are a great audience that, you know, the, some of the best business ideas, if we could find a way like that there's regular purchases or there's bulk purchases, things like that. So I don't know if you guys have any ideas around that. I, so we talked about this a lot on, the, on some of the earlier hours, but this time is particularly good to talk with businesses who are really slow. So you can, if, if you want to pursue this idea, you can easily get a hold of movie theater owners. They're not having people come in right now, right? And you may find that it's glow-in-the-dark popcorn. That would be killer. You, you could probably get a lot of personal one-on-one time with a movie theater owner and, and get a lot of insight into what moves popcorn there. But you may also find in exploring this idea a completely different need from a movie theater owner that, that is... Uh, more pressing or higher leverage or something else. So I, I think that the important thing that we reiterate a lot on this podcast is you just need to get in the game. You need to start doing something, start talking with people, get out in the world and try and solve problems. Even if it's not the best idea to start with, you can get some traction just by, by showing up. I have to just bring up something really uncanny. Is Dan James a friend of yours too? Chris? Yeah. <laughs> I just was like looking him up because he's watching and I went to his Facebook page and the first picture of his is, is him at a movie theater with a soda and a popcorn, which, which is actually <laughs> from 2012, which I think is really kind of uncanny, uncanny coincidence right here. <laughs> this is the Truman Show for you, Ethan? <laughs> I just feel like there's some kind of, there's some kind of, what do you call it? Serendipity around this. It's uh, meant to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chris, to your, to your point uh, about just getting in the game, kind of reminded me of briefly mentioned that for a few years had a virtual reality company, and we started with the idea of doing like a virtual reality arcade where you pay twenty bucks to go to a brick and mortar location, and then you would like put on a headset and just nerd out in VR for a while. 
that was the vision. And we decided to, to test that, like you're saying, by just going out and, and trying it with people, right? So we started setting up at a bar, like this outdoor bar that had a big kind of side yard. And we just say, hey, pay us five bucks and try some VR. We learned a ton doing that. And it ended up changing our entire business model. Like we moved completely away from the idea of brick and mortar arcade. We ended up doing setting up virtual reality for conventions and events and things like that, you know, B2B events. Had we not just gone out and had like weeks of just like being at like this bar, like trying to like get, you know, people of different levels of sobriety through virtual reality experiences, not making any money, you know, just like talking to a bunch of people, hundreds of people about what they wanted and, and what they were going to pay and, and all that kind of stuff. We may have just like totally wasted a ton of money setting up a whole VR arcade that just would have lost money the whole time. So I do think there is a ton of value to what you're saying. It's just going out, crashing and burning over and over again at a low cost, trying to figure out what works. Yeah, I also love that pivot that you mentioned, Chris, is that if you just get on the phone with, with movie theater owners and people that are faced with, with movie theater related issues, you're going to get into an interesting market right now. That again, months down the line, there be good, especially if you're looking for people to help, right? And you can find a way to to figure out how to help them either make money when things turn around or or not lose as much money in the in the in the near term. Movie theater owners, I think, are very interesting because I don't think that they're going to recover as much business as they had from before. People have changed their habits to a large extent, even in this two week period. I think uh, Universal has released some movies direct to streaming. Uh, which is something that movie theaters fought for a very long time. But of course, in this environment, it doesn't apply. So it's going to be an uphill battle to get people back in the door there. And that's going to require them to adapt, which is a perfect time to to come in and, and try some new ideas and, and see if you can help them. All right. Well, I think we got it figured out. Refreshing. We can go on to the next business idea. <laughs> David, we normally on the show, we have a kind of put a pin on it question which is maybe a, a general life philosophy that you have or something that you would want to leave our listeners with, something that they should take away from the conversation, uh, whether that's advice or anything that you'd like, uh, a call to action for our listeners. Yeah, sure thing. You're saying in terms of general entrepreneurship or just anything about life? General entrepreneurship, yeah, it can be related to this in general. And I mean, you talked about it in terms of getting in the game. And I know I'm catching you a little bit flat-footed. Here's two thoughts here. One would just be, to try to have a, a sense of the risk and the reward potential. And your risk is almost never that high, if you really think about it. Like, are you really going to lose everything and not be able to eat and be homeless and, and die within the next week? Probably not going to happen if you're an American listener, right? Like, we just have an amazing country and we should celebrate that. So if you think about your, your risk-reward and the, the best possible outcome is you know, a 10, this is going to be a great business and I'm going to change the world. What's the worst? Is it four? Is it like, hey, you wasted a couple months and now you go back to the job you're at? That's not that bad. There's not that much of a risk, right? And then, and the average of that is still going to be something positive to shoot for. So I would just say kind of keep that mentality and how you approach a new business or just how you approach life in general. If you're going to try to pick up a new skill or you're going to move to a new city, the risks generally are not super high. And if you can kind of embody that mindset, then you'll be able to try a whole lot more exciting things in your life. I love it. That's a great oh, piece, piece of advice to leave our listeners with here. David, we've got a couple minutes left here. Did you want to share any action steps for any of the other ideas that you have brought up? Or Ethan, did you have another 
idea for how to use these last few minutes? I would just go ahead and lob in just, you know, thanks to all the healthcare workers fighting the good fight out there for us. Keep it up. John Recky, who commented earlier, I know my own sister is a doctor in largest public hospital in New York City right now. She's hustling. You know, there's people who are doing the best out there for all of us. And we really appreciate everything you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Another thing, too, that this is bringing up and just like just the general, we had a lot of fun in this conversation. And I think anything that people can do to help help bring humor in these scenarios, right, is a is a huge bonus, you know, and it's, it's maybe a risky place to go because, you know, you know, there's a lot of serious stuff going on. But I was auspicious enough to read A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, like a few weeks before, actually, this all started to blow up and give me a lot of things to think about. And it was interesting. That was one thing he brought up. You know, you had there was a lot of there was they saw they found humor sometimes in those in the scenarios of just being a prisoner in the Nazi prison camps. And, and you know, sometimes it was, you know, it's kind of weird, morbid humor or whatever it was. But he reflected on kind of the that that was that's just a very magical ability that we have as human beings to find humor in our difficult situations and use that as a as a way to to kind of drive our spirit forward and you know and get to a better place you know eventually so thanks to all for all the humor that we brought into this conversation yeah and to embolden that underscore that point even more in uh man's search for meaning he talks about how those who had that perspective were much more likely to make it so it's not just something it's it's not a flippant thing it's not you don't have to feel guilty about taking that perspective. That is what carries people through difficult times. And that's how we're going to get out of it. We need optimism. We need hope. We need humor in order to, to all make it through this together. Otherwise, we, from a scientific perspective, we have a less, a lower chance of, of succeeding in the face of this. I know just a little business or business or project idea, whatever it turns out to be, I'll throw out there. I mean, Rebecca Trent is someone we've been trying to get on the podcast, whatever it hasn't lined up. She's got a comedy club in New York City. It's closed right now. There's literally comedians who are calling her because she's got a restaurant also that's doing pickup. They're calling the pickup line because they're like, is there an open mic today? <laughs> There's comedians that want to get out there and share, you know, practice their craft and share their joy with people. And I feel like I'm not seeing a lot of service around that right now. And it, it could be a wonderful place for somebody to pick up the reins and say, I'm going to do an online mic, open mic for comedians, you know, and I, I, they probably wouldn't normally go for it because they're kind of a lazy crowd. who doesn't know much about, doesn't often know much about technology, but, but they would, I think now, because they're just hungry to share what they have to share and, and to grow as comedians and finding shows that are canceled by even bigger name comedians and trying to put it into an online format. I really think there's a space there. And people need to laugh, you know, and they, they people need more joy in, in these in these circumstances. Completely agreed. David, thank you so much for, for joining us during this hour. Stay safe down there in Puerto Rico. <laughs> no, you're, you're not going very far uh, these days. But yeah, appreciate all the insights that you shared. Appreciate you stepping up and, and helping raise money for a good cause here and giving some hope to the entrepreneurs who are listening. Yeah, for sure, Gus. This is great. Thank you so much. Had a lot of fun. And thanks for the invite. Hopefully we can keep this going and keep raising money for a good cause here. For sure. Yeah, nice to meet you, Likewise. David, as well. We'll be in touch. Yeah, please, we'll be in touch. 
Now, it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.